Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, hey, coming at you live with an I Date Money podcast episode. Wanted to really dive deep into the fear of money. So many of us are afraid to make money moves. We have this risk, this fear factor, right? And what is fear? One of my clients and I were talking about this yesterday, and there's just so much fear and anxiety And we think of it as a bad thing, right? We think of it as, oh no, I can't do this. I can't make this investment. And right now as the recording of this show, the market is going down. I mean, we've lost so much money in the last five days. It's really scary. And it puts this fear in your heart of, I'm not going to spend my money. I don't want to save my money because something bad might happen. All of my money might be gone. And when you think about that, I get this feeling inside of me, right? I'm at my my the top of my um, stomach just turns and it knots and it twists. And I just had a uh, in depth human design reading, <clears throat> excuse me, with Rena, who's also one of my clients. And I was amazed at what I got to learn about myself. But intertwining intertwining human design, our money mindset, the thoughts that we have are so powerful. And in my Crush on Debt membership group, we always once a week we get together. And we do an aroma freedom technique. And this is breath work combined with essential oils and thoughts. And we focus on conquering debt, crushing on debt, but not debt is bad, right? Not all debt is bad. Maybe some of it is, but when we look at debt in a different light, we can really dive in and say, okay, what did my debt do to serve me? How did I leverage debt? And why do I continue borrowing from my future self? So one of the action steps, and I do my own program, one of the action steps, um, or one of the things I have the um, ladies do is post in the group what their goal is and the three action steps that they're going to take to get to that goal. So last week when we did it, my goal was to come and share on my podcast a story, a a funnel bill, I'm going to have fun saying vulnerable. A, vulnerable, a story that's vulnerable to me personally. I've been really surface leveling my feelings towards money. And even though I'm a millionaire and I do take all the steps to multiply my money, mindset is probably one of the most challenging things that we get to rewire in order to have a different relationship with money. And if you think about this, my money story, you know, I was. 15 years old when I met this guy, totally wrapped me around his finger. He was a total narcissist, which I didn't know at the time. I just wanted love. I remember my 15-year-old self thinking I was so ugly and so um, just unattractive, super skinny. I was only 90 pounds and nobody was paying attention to me. None of the boys were paying attention to me. And they, my friends were all getting boyfriends. 
and they were losing their virginity. And I was like, oh, I can't even get a guy to look at me, right? Like what's wrong with me? I literally would look in the mirror and I would just criticize myself and just focus on how ugly I really was. And of course, whatever you focus on grows. So when I met the guy and he paid attention to me, I was like, wow. And the ironic thing about this is that when I met him, I was so strung out on LSD that uh, who, who knows? I was going to give up my virginity for this one night stand, right? And we ended up being together for three years. And it was like this roller coaster chaotic ride. And when I was a little girl, I was molested from the ages of three to seven. And I used to have this dream, this reoccurring dream every single night for three years that I was in this two-story house and I was being chased. And this, this tall boy with dark hair was chasing me. And I thought I was petrified to sleep by myself. I used to sleep underneath the um, covers, um, underneath the bed in my room to protect myself, you know, because I didn't want, you know, the person to come in and molest me and I didn't want to wake up to that. Right. So I would hide. And then when I kept having this dream, I was just like, well, who is this person? Is this someone else that's going to abuse me? And I was always running, running from this person. And now I know that was this, this relationship that I was in for three years, who was narcissist gaslighter. So at 16, when I found myself pregnant, um, you know, money was gathered and we chose abortion. And at that time it was $500, which was a lot of money. And I always say, um, I have a not-for-profit divine timing ministries and I, we do biweekly meetups. And I always say to the girls um, on the board, especially we talk about this conversation, like when you're post-abortion, no one understands like the process that you go through the loss because you don't think that you deserve to grieve the loss because you chose it. So it affects your wealth, your health, your relationships. But the last thing that most post-abortion women address is their finances because we're so busy hiding and keeping ourselves safe that money is just something that we don't deserve. And money was something that we used to terminate, to abort the pregnancy, right? And I know thinking, speaking this out loud, it's like, that's so messed up, right? But our thoughts, again, are the most powerful tool that we have. And when you're inside your own head and you're trying to do it by yourself and you're refusing to share the secret, these things come up for you and then it affects your money. So, you know, fast forward, I ended up having a second abortion and I got pregnant a third time and ended up being a single mom at age 18. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm done with this guy. Right. So being a single mom at 18, I was working uh, two jobs, a full-time and a part-time job. And I was struggling to make ends meet. Right. And I didn't have to struggle. I, 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 was struggling because I had no system in place, which my 18 year old self didn't know, right? I just figured, you know, you save 10%, you give away 10% and then the rest you just blow. Well, I wasn't able to blow the rest because there wasn't enough to blow. <laughs> there wasn't enough to take care of the basic needs. And it was really frustrating, right? So I was working as a bankruptcy paralegal at the time and my job was to create these credit um, uh, budget sheets for people and map out all of their finances and show them exactly where all their money was going to go so that they would never have to be in bankruptcy again. And 
I knew better, right? So as I racked up my own debt, I picked up a part-time job. So I was working as a, um, I was working full-time as a paralegal. And then I picked up a part-time job um, as a receptionist answering phones for this, um, for a family member that was running um, a company for home services, right? And it didn't work out. Can't work for relatives, right? <laughs> well, this person had asked me for my information, my driver's license, this and that. And he said they needed it for payroll. And I thought, okay, that's kind of odd. I've had lots of jobs and no one's ever asked me for this information. So I gave it thinking, well, whatever they need it. But the whole thing was, they told me, you know, oh, you know, we need this right away. And it was on a Saturday. I was like, okay, the same person had asked me to get a loan out for them. Okay. So again, I'm 18, I'm single, I'm just starting my career. You know, my credit is really good, right? And they're saying to me, so this was one of my brothers, and he said, Don't tell mom. Okay, no, that's the first thing. When someone says not to tell somebody, that's when you should be like, uh, I, I shouldn't listen to you. I need to go take my own advice. And now that I know that my human design, I understand it better uh, as a projector with a five one, um, you know, my gut reaction would have been like, uh, no, we're not going to do this. So anyways, I took him by his word that he was going to pay it back in 30 days. He gave me $500 for helping him out. And what single mom at 18 doesn't want an extra $500 for helping someone out. Right. And Three months later, I found that someone, a family member forged my name on this loan. So I had this loan plus another loan, right? So this loan I voluntarily took out for somebody. Don't ever do that. Okay. Don't ever let anyone borrow money in, unless you don't care about ever getting it back. Because when you let someone borrow money, especially a relative, they may never pay you back. And if they pay you back, it might be sporadic. So I always say, if you're going to loan somebody money, just say goodbye to it because most likely you're not going to see it again. So back to the story, <laughs> had to throw that tidbit in there. I come home from work one day. So I'm all upset because this loan that I volunteered to get out for my brother, he defaulted on it. He decided that he couldn't pay it in 30 days. It went beyond the 30 days. It was racking up a lot of interest and I already had my own debt. Okay. Now, now this debt was part of my debt too. And that loan plus my own debt equaled $32,000 back in 1987. This was happening in 1990. Okay. So back in 1990, that's a lot of money, right? In today's dollars, it's equivalent to like over hundred K. I come home from work one day and all of a sudden there's a tow truck in my driveway with a police car. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what happened? And then you're tow my car. I said, what are you going to tow my car for? Well, you defaulted on a loan. I'm like, I have not defaulted on any loans. I pay all my bills. So they gave me this piece of paper and I called the number on there. This is before computers, guys. <laughs> and I found out that there was this loan. I said, I did not. It was a cosign loan. I said, I did not cosign for a loan. Send me the information. I'm going to go press charges. So I started that process, but then another family member bailed um, this person out. But then I was still left with this 32K of debt. And after working as a bankruptcy paralegal, I was like, this is the only way out. 
And I know so many in the years that I've been in finance and insurance that people have actually had to file medical bankruptcy. People have filed bankruptcy because of their debt for houses. You know, before the big crash in 2008, people were getting mortgages. I was a real estate paralegal and I worked for the mortgage company. I also worked for attorneys, but for most of the real estate paralegal, I worked for the bank. And, you know, people would get loans and they barely qualified, barely. And they were doing all kinds of creative underwriting to get these people to qualify. Well, there's a reason why you need to establish good credit to get a loan, because you have to be a good steward. You need to pay back the money, right? You can't just file for bankruptcy. So knowing this, you know, here I am as a, as a bankruptcy paralegal, knowing the consequences that this was going to have on me. Not even just the fact that I couldn't borrow money for seven years, that even if I tried to borrow something, I would never be able to buy a house. Um, my credit was going to be ruined. I was, it was tainted, right? It was almost like that red scarlet A. So the, the, the way I felt about it was like, you know what? I, I don't know what else to do. And I'll just have to wait out the seven years and, and just live within my means. I'm going to create this austerity budget. I'm just going to, every dollar is going to have a job. I'm going to go get financial help. I remember standing in front of the judge because um, I went pro bono to file for bankruptcy. And he's like, promise me that you will go learn all you can about finances and that you'll never be in this position again. And I'm like, I promise. So when I got my job at social security administration, my very first client told me, have you ever read the book, the richest man in Babylon? And I'm like, no, but I love to read. I'll read it. He goes, not only read it, but implement it. And that was what began my money story journey and the creation of the money multiplier system. And this is how we become millionaires by taking diligent, consistent, persistent action steps. So fast forward, I had all this money talk, right? All these stories interwoven into my DNA, buried deep into my subconscious and knowing that my family members stole from me knowing that I had filed bankruptcy, knowing that, you know, I was able to get enough money to have two abortions, but yet I couldn't get enough money to clothe my child or have enough money to be able to do some extra things after I met my necessities, right? Made me feel like I was in this dark pit. This, this pit was so deep. And I just thought, you know, I totally went to victimville where I was like, Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Think I'll eat some worms. Um, I can't trust a soul. I can't trust anybody at this point. I couldn't tell anybody anything that I was feeling. So I kept it all inside and I was so angry. And so um, I felt so like, like, you know, when you are a three-year-old and you have a temper tantrum, I have that, that much pent up anger inside of me that I was just like, oh, I wanted to scream, but yet every time I tried to scream, I would get an asthma attack and I would just cough and cough and cough. I spent months coughing. I literally had bronchitis, alternating with walking pneumonia every single year from August to March, since as long as I could remember. And as I grew older and started, you know, uh, my healing journey and implementing tools, I learned about what the body in what impacts the body and how our body expresses the pain, right? 
So here I am thinking like, I've been violated my whole entire life, right? Molested at three, exposed to drugs and alcohol at five, controlled by a narcissist gaslighter. I, I come from a controlling Catholic Italian family background. I was the only girl, I was the youngest. So I had all of these hierarchies, all these controlling people in my life, but yet I was rebellious and I was stubborn and I had to know why everything had to know why, but yet I didn't question them when they asked for information, when they asked for me to, to get a loan out and give them the money, like, why would I do something so stupid? And this is where the fear of money comes in. We're so fearful. Like if we say no, we're so fearful if we don't help that person out, like I learned about myself today, I kind of knew it already, but just to see it in that human design format, that I'm a very helpful person and I love to help others. And, you know, that's where my people pleasing comes in. So here I am trying to be the good little girl, trying to do everything that my family wants them to do, because I was always the rebellious one, the black sheep. My brothers used to tell me that I was a spoiled, rotten brat. And, you know, here I am trying to help them, but they were taking advantage of me. And it, I wanted to lash out so bad. Like if you can just picture me pounding and beating somebody up, that's the anger and the rage that I felt towards my family members. And you know what? We were never close. As I grew into adulthood and I realized through all the many years of therapy and counseling that I've gone through that they were scumbags. They were not nice people. They took advantage of a single mom why would they do that? Why would they take advantage of a single man, mom? And, you know, and they were entrepreneurs. And so my whole attitude towards entrepreneurs were like, they're sleazy. They're, they're guineas and they take advantage of people. And I would never, ever want to be like that. Never, ever. <laughs> I, I can see my younger self just stomping her feet. And with that attitude, you know, the hands on the hips. And it really it, it really tainted my viewpoint about entrepreneurship. And, you know, even though I did things to make my own money, like I've always had a side gig, you know, so I was an Avon independent rep and I managed, like, you know, I had my, all my clients and I was a treasurer for not-for-profits and I built up two teams in two ML, ML, MLM companies, MLMs, <laughs> little stuttering with that word today. So I was able to do all these things, but as soon as I got to a certain point in the money, you know, when you get to the silver and the gold, those levels there, I was like, nope, nope. Am I taking advantage of people? Am I convincing people? And then you got those mockers, right? That's, oh, you're doing this. You're charging that much. Are you creating all oh, these these and all the naysayers, right? And then I got to be guarded and be like, well, maybe I'm being sleazy. Maybe I'm not like supposed to be doing this. You know, when I totally missed the mark because of my fear of being like that sleazy, take advantage of type of person, I totally missed the fact that I had grandparents on my mom's side that were also entrepreneurs and they were beautiful stewards of their money. My grandma was the one who taught me about the money envelope system. She was the one who taught me to save 10% and give away 10%. And she was so good with money. I remember when um, I was getting my very first full-time job and I needed clothes. And she's like, okay, we're going to go to Macy's. I'm like, grandma, I cannot afford to shop at Macy's. She's like, yes, you can. She goes, 
save a hundred dollars. And she says, for a hundred dollars, you will have five outfits minimum. And I'm like, what? You're crazy. No way. But we did. We made a day of it. I saved up a hundred dollars and only took a few weeks because she, you know, I was saving that 10%. So, and uh, we went to Macy's, we went right over to the clearance racks and she started pulling out outfits. And I tell you, I got the, I can still picture every single outfit I bought. There was well over five outfits. I had over 24 pieces of clothing and every single one of them was beautiful. And it, you know, when you put an outfit on and how it just makes you feel sexy and good and, and confident, this is how these clothes made me feel. And I thought, wow. And I was able to buy all of this. And I remember the lady, the girl um, ringing it up. she had actually forgot a couple pieces. And um, I had noticed that they were in the bag, but she didn't ring them up. And I was like, oh, you, I don't think you rang those up. You might, you might want to count it and just double check. And I want to make sure that you rang everything up. And sure enough, she had missed two pieces. It was $95. The total bill was $95 and some change, I'm sure. But what was incredible about it was that I was able to do that. So the fear of money kind of shifted that day for me when I was able to focus on my mom, my grandma rather, and say, okay, I can do this. Clearance Rocks got to be my best friend. But realizing that, you know, when I focused on what my grandma did and how she was very good with her money and how she looked for the sales, she looked for the deals, she always paid everything in cash. Cash was king. I was able to sit back and say, you know what? I want to be more like that. I want I want the the generational um, blessings from her. And I was focusing on the generational curses. So whatever we focus on grows when it comes to multiplying money. What are you thinking about with money? Are you afraid of money? Are you afraid of learning about financial literacy? Are you afraid of investing your money, your time to decide like, is this a good investment? What's insurance? What's life insurance? What's health insurance? Do I need it? Or what about looking at your backend financials and setting up your owner's comp and profit first so that you can multiply your money while you're building your business, while you're taking care of your team? All of these things are so important. When you create your wealth activation roadmap, you get to multiply your money. You get to become a millionaire and it can happen quickly. Little dopamine hits that make you want to go more to be able to do this more. Just by looking at that fear in the face. I love to personify everything. Look fear in the face and ask fear. If fear was a person, thank you. Okay. Thank you, fear, for protecting me. Why are you still here? What do I need to be afraid of? And when you can look at that and know that fear does not dictate how you're going to multiply your money, then you can go to the next step and you can conquer debt and you can make that profit and you can bring home 50% of your gross revenue because it truly doesn't matter how much money you have. It's what you do with it. And if you're ready to get to the next step and to create that wealth activation roadmap, let's hop on a call. Let's see if we're a good fit check the show notes or you're watching this live in the Facebook group, Money Magnets, Wealthy Women, Sovereign Souls. The link will be in the comments. It's a call, a consultation call that will change your life. Even if you decide to stay exactly where you're at, you're going to know just a little bit more to be able to create 
that dream that you want to multiply your money, to get into a better relationship with your money and to understand what your money story is and how you can use that to create the empire that you want. Hey, 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 thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it.